0: Praise the Lord. So this morning, um, before uh, this morning, we have Pat Williams, who's uh, one of our ladies uh, here in our church. She's an awesome teacher. She's going to be teaching us this morning as we continue in our series in Galatians And say well, the reason why we, the reason why I do that is because I, I really believe in the body of Christ, and I believe that uh, that there's more than just one of us that has the gift of teaching, and it's important to make that those gifts be used, and so um, God really has, uh, we've, if you've never heard Pat preach before, you're in for a treat, so she's comes up with a lot more creative stuff than I ever do, so I'm excited about that, but before, before she comes, we have a testimony this morning, um, and uh, Nick, uh, you know, sometimes on you can come on up, Nick. You know, sometimes on you know on Sunday mornings, you look around and everybody's all cleaned up and we're wearing our Sunday best. Yeah, it's about as good as it gets right here. So, Sunday best and uh, and you think, oh boy, everybody's got it all together, and then you then you hear stories and you begin to realize that every one of us, every one of us has been broken. Every one of us is really basically is a schmuck in need of a savior. And uh, that's the bottom line for us. And so, here's another schmuck. <laughs> Man! <laughs> How's that introduction? Woo! So, any <laughs> So, um, but, uh, no, and as and as really as a setup, it sets up uh, the message very well this morning from Galatians chapter 5. If you want to turn there, we'll be there in a minute, but uh, as Pat comes in a minute, this really sets that up. Just so you know, I mean, that part of... A big part of Nick's story is uh, years of addiction to pornography, and so I want you to know that. Here's the here's the warning label in advance, but I'm sure you'll keep it clean.
1: There we go. So there we are. Thank
0: you. And I love what God's doing in this guy. Woo!
2: cool?
1: Yeah. So anyway, as I was praying, because I, I, I am pretty nervous, but I was praying there, and I um, I was reminded that I am an ambassador for the kingdom of God, clothed in immense power. And, and I also was reminded, or reminded me that he has been preparing me for this moment for all my life, and even the junk, he uses what was bad for good. So um, um, I wrote it down because I've got a lot to say, and I was given a very short amount of time to say it, and so I don't want to, I don't want to, um, and if I tried to get it all in, I would ramble and go forever, so hang on, ready? All right. My name is Nick Rito. In June, I will have been coming to New River for seven years. I accepted Christ as my Savior a little more than five and a half years ago. I'm a deacon here and involved in leading the men's ministry. I've been blessed with a beautiful, loving, godly wife who has stood by me when no one would have blamed her if she didn't. I have also been blessed with some great kids. Many of you have heard my testimony, but some of you haven't. I don't have much time to recap or share all that I've been learning, so just hang on. Um, it's going to be, um, before I came to Christ, I was addicted to pornography and controlled by a spirit of lust. I was living two lives. Today, Pat is going to be teaching from Galatians 5.16 to 26. In 5.16, we are told to live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your sinful nature. In 5.19, we are told that the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, two of which are sexual immorality and impurity. The Greek word for sexual immorality is pornea, from which we get the word pornography. Pornography is a multi-billion-dollar industry which is going, which is not going to go away. Annually, it earns more than Microsoft, Google, Amazon, eBay, Yahoo, Apple, Netflix, and Earthlink combined. Like many men, I did not see anything wrong with viewing por- pornography. That is a lie from hell, and it is one of Satan's most powerful tools for separating us from God. It is so powerful because of its accessibility. It is everywhere. It's on your phones, parents. I'm telling you, if, if your kids have a PlayStation or a Wii, it can be on that if it's good, it hooked up to the internet. Um, it's affordability much of it is free it's anonymity you do this in secret you don't see the track marks like a drug addict would have you don't see that you know the, ha- uh, the hangovers that an alcoholic would have so it's kept secret and it, it is addictive I'm telling you it's addictive there's studies it's just as addictive as, co- as cocaine so um, it's, it's bad stuff so um, where was I? Um, <laughs> Viewing pornography is a sin. Jesus said that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It is a sin. Pornography is a cancer that is destroying our lives. Porn destroys intimacy with God and with your wife. It destroys blessings of God. It destroys marriages and your relationships with your children. It destroys how you look at and even treat women, including your wife. Porn use can even cause you to lose your job or land you in prison. Pornography is not just a man problem. It is a family problem percentage of women becoming addicted is increasing and the average age for a child's first exposure to pornography is 8 years old 10 years old in a Christian home men pornography is a curse that if you don't break it, it will be passed on to your children and your children's children I've heard a pastor say not our pastor, that 70% of the men in his church struggle with pornography and the other 30% struggle with lying you know, it may have been meant as a joke, but the sad news is there's a lot of truth there the statistics show that the percentage of christian men that view pornography is just a little lower than non-christian men romans 12:2 tells us do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind i have been there and by the grace of god and the power of christ in me i've been set free i know that when you're caught up in this addiction you can rationalize and justify doing things that you never thought you would do And as a Christian man, there is no excuse or reason for you ever to look at pornography to support an industry that deals in sex trafficking and addicting women on uh, drugs. And uh, if you weigh the consequences, I don't care if you just say I only do it once or twice a year. If you are willing to risk those consequences for that once or twice a year, you're addicted and you have a problem that you need to deal with. I'm here to tell you that you don't have to live as a slave to this sin. I've been convicted to start a men's purity ministry. I have been blessed to have Harless Flores, Brad Williams, and Glenn Gerhard step up to help lead this ministry. We have researched and chosen to use the Pure Desire curriculum developed by Dr. Ted Roberts. The foundation of the workbook is from the Word of God, and there are clinical insights from the latest in neurological and psychological research. For more information on this curriculum, you can go to puredesire.org, or feel free to contact Harless, Brad, Glenn, or myself. With true repentance and accountability, you can break free from this addiction. This is an accountability group and it's not easy. You must make a commitment and there's hard work to do this, but this program has very, been very successful around the country. If just praying harder would have set you free, you would have done it by now. You need a team, you need to come together. You can't stay in isolation, which this, this causes. This is a process that's going to take time. You need to renew your mind, you need to renew, rewire your brain. You, you actually, viewing pornography affects the, the the actual structures in your brain. You have to rewire your brain. Um, you have to break habits and rituals. Learn to take thoughts captive. You didn't get to where you are overnight, and you won't be set free overnight. This is a topic that has been the elephant in the room for many years, and the church has ignored it. It's time that we stand up and take this ground back from Satan. How can we have revival with so much of the church in bondage? And men, I'm, I'm not judging anyone. I've been there, 80 <laughs> percent of men have been there. Um, I was there. It is the Holy Spirit that convicts us when we do something wrong, but it is Satan who uses shame to say that there's something wrong with me. This is a sin that is clothed with shame. I encourage men to bring it to the light, and I women, I, I encourage you to support your men, and I, I pray that this whole church would support and encourage this ministry, and we can take uh, you know, it's for the kingdom. So.
3: Are, are passing the basket and it has a name tag in it. If you just take that name tag and just use it as a bookmark in your Bible or whatever for a few minutes, you'll find out what it is all about later. We're reading from Galatians 5, verses 16 to 26. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation this morning. The author has just been telling us about what it means. move from death into life and to, to living in the freedom that you have in Christ. So then he says, so, which means based on everything I've already said, so, I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the Law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, <laughs> the results are very clear, sexual immorality impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, Anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nation to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Nick has just described a time in his life when he lived in darkness and in death when he was addicted to pornography. Nick had a label on his life. And the label was addict. An addiction is anything that you can't control. So then you're going to say to me, I got it. I got it under control. All I have to do is never go to that kind of place, never walk with that kind of person. All I have to do is be stronger. All I have to do is, and you just you have all these, these ways that you're going to take care of it. You can handle your addiction to gossip. You can handle your addiction to chocolate. You can handle your addiction to having to be right and everybody else is wrong. There are all, Kinds of addictions. It's not just drugs, alcohol, cigarettes. It's who you are. You can be addicted to a personality that's destructive and takes your life away. You live on the dark side. And I know in today's world, when I say that, your mind goes to the Wii games and the cartoons and everything else, but I'm calling I'm telling you the dark side, Satan's realm, his kingdom. That's where you're living. And it's not like a Wii game where you get another life and you come back. It doesn't happen. For many, many years, I was a bulimic. Never heard the word, didn't know what it meant. Went to a pastor, told him how addicted I was to an over-the-counter drug that I would take because I felt that I just had to take everything out of my body that I put in. It made me feel clean for a short time. I would go to the altar. Now, I was a Sunday school teacher, worked with the youth group. My faith in God was still strong, but this addiction was in my life, and it was destroying my relationships. It wasn't too hard to practice because my ex-husband was gone a lot, so nobody knew what I was doing. It was in secret until I talked to a pastor one day in Maryland, and he said, you need help. Nope, not me. I got it. So the next Sunday, I'd go to the altar again, and I'd place an envelope full of those pills on the altar, every one I had left, and I'd say, okay, God, I got this. I can do this, God. I'm walking away. Then the next week, I'd just go to the grocery store and buy some more. I damaged my body. With consequences, I still suffer to this very day. But the worst part was that my heart was beginning to harden. You need to view the heart. You have two hearts. You have your physical heart, that as long as it beats, you live on this earth. That heart has to be able to contract and release, and the blood has to be able to get in and get out. Can't be any blockages, can't be any damage. It needs to function. Now, last fall, I was diagnosed with cardiomyopathy, which means that my heart muscles are starting to harden and change. Eventually, I may need some physical device in there to make it beat.
1: My neurologist
3: says it's a consequence of my MS. My heart sometimes has a hard time contracting and releasing the way it's supposed to. I I can't change that but I know my Redeemer lives. But your spiritual heart, you can harden your spiritual heart. Your spiritual heart has to be able to to, to work, has to be able to let the love of Jesus come in and the Holy Spirit come in and flow through your heart and flow from your heart out to others. If your spiritual heart is blocked or hardened, your relationship with Jesus is broken. Now, it can be just one little small corner. It can be a valve. It can be anything that fails in your spiritual heart. And the scripture says there's a conflict in your heart between your sinful nature and the spiritual nature. There's a war going on in you. When you lose a battle, your heart hardens some more. So you need to picture your heart this morning, your spiritual heart. Is your spiritual heart functioning fully? Is your spiritual heart under the control of Jesus? Is he coming in and flowing out? Are you relishing every moment that you can be with him? And addiction will take you away from that. And your spiritual heart will start to harden and change. It also says in, in that uh, one of the sinful natures is outburst of anger. How do people manage anger? They wear rubber bands and they snap them every time they think they're going to get angry. They count to ten. Then they count to ten again. Then they count to ten again. <laughs> they meditate. They um and they ah. They try anything to control the anger that's so deep within them that they don't know how to deal with it. I was a screamer. my kids were young, I think I thought they were deaf. Because it was always, come to supper now. Get in bed now. What is your problem? Don't you? I screamed a lot. I was really a screamer. Then my family, we moved into a military mobile home park in Maryland. Mobile homes don't have much insulation. So when I screamed, the neighbors heard me. I never thought about it until the wives complained to their husbands who complained to their commanders, and those commanders complained to my husband's commander. And you know what? That doesn't fly. He was an elite group of men in Maryland, and life was supposed to be good. So my ex-husband comes home, and he says, You can't scream anymore. I don't scream. He says, you scream all the time. You can't scream anymore. And I said, okay, fine. So I lowered my voice, but the words didn't change, and the tone didn't change. You better get in here and get in here now, and if you don't do what I tell you to, but I didn't scream anymore, that symptom was gone. Do you know where the anger was? It was still inside me. And my screaming was a valve, like if you're radio overflowing and you're silly enough to try and take the top off right away and it just spurts everywhere. That was my anger. It would stay in there. Sometimes it just had to come out. But when I learned I couldn't scream anymore, which was my release, I began to stuff it down inside. And the farther you stuff it inside, the less you know it's there anymore. Except your body starts to tell you, you develop all kinds of issues that nobody can figure out where they're coming from. And that anger is still there. But I got it, God. Don't need you. I got it. I can handle this. All I have to do is pray more. All I have to do is stay away from the neighbor that takes me off. All I have to do is be Connie Brown. Now, Connie Brown was the sweetest, calmest woman you'd ever meet in her life. Nothing upset Connie Brown. She'd be after church, and her husband, Daryl, would walk up to her, and he'd say, well, we have have 15 people coming for lunch today. No problem. And Connie Brown wasn't hiding anger. That's just who she was through and through and through. And I prayed many years, God, make me Connie Brown. I don't want to be the volatile loud, obnoxious Pat Williams made me the quiet, calm, sweet Connie Brown but I still didn't deal with why that anger was inside me and it was inside me because I was still practicing addictions I was still allowing Satan to hold a part of my heart and it was hardening another thing that can keep us on the dark side is religion now That may seem strange to say, but pastor's been teaching us there's a big difference between religion and a relationship with Jesus Christ. I grew up with a whole lot of do's and don'ts. And you had to be perfect. You had to be perfect. You had to be good. Because if you slipped up and died in a car accident on the way home, it's all over. You're going to hell. Because you, you, you lied to your neighbor this morning. I had a very impressive personality as a young person and that just hit me so hard. I had to be perfect. I had to be worthy of God's love and the only way to be worthy of God's love was to be in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, go to youth group, wear the right clothes, say the right thing, never tell people that you were hurting because Christians didn't hurt. You just had to wear this facade Of perfection. And I didn't realize until just recently how much that hurt my spiritual heart. In 2011, um, I went to my neurologist who told me that uh, I need to go see a neurosurgeon. He said, Oh, that tumor we've been watching is growing, nothing bad, don't worry about it, just go talk to this man. I went to the neurosurgeon. And he said, you have to have surgery. You have to remove the brain tumor. So I said, hmm, this was June. I said, how about August, September? He said, how about next week? (laughs) And I said, no. (laughs) My daughter Joy was there. She let me get away with two weeks. (laughs) But the part that I, I want you to understand is that my mind began to say to me, you are not worthy of God's love. If you were worthy of God's love, why would all these things be happening in your life? Why would all this be going wrong? Todd got up on a Sunday morning and he prayed for me, and he prayed that God would make it so I didn't have to go through the surgery. And I'm sitting in the sanctuary thinking, forget that, Todd. God doesn't love me enough to do that for me. He'd do it for you, but he doesn't love me enough to do that for me. And my heart is hardening every time I think of that. So we went to the hospital at 5.30 in the morning, get prepped for surgery, and just before surgery, they take you into a room to do a CAT scan so the doctor knows exactly where the tumor is, because you hate to have them hunting around looking for the thing. So I go into the CAT scan, and we had had friends and family at the house the night before. And we'd all prayed that God would take it away, that the tumor would be gone. And I thought, God, this is so perfect. I got it. I know what you need to do. You need to have that CAT scan show that the tumor is gone. Wouldn't that be glorious, God? I could stand up on Sunday morning and say, look, I don't have a haircut, no no scars, everything's good. So the Susie and Aaron and Joy went with me. We went into the room for the cat skin. got on the table, got off the table. And I said to the technician, so, is it still there? I'm expecting to hear. Oh, you know, I can't find it. And she turns around and says, well, yeah, it's still there. Like, what were you thinking? My heart is beginning to harden some more. God, if you really loved me, if you really cared about me, why wouldn't you take it away? Why is it that I have to go through this? Then they take you into another room and they begin to do pre-op surgery before the surgery to get you ready and I'm doing fine until the lady's opening up my arm to put in a special whatever it was. She said, I said, well, exactly why are you doing this? She said, because we have to know the minute your heart stops okay again why god why and then the doctor comes in and says well i'll tell you what we're going to do our best to have you off the respirator before you come out of the or the respirator okay my heart is hardening some more because i'm questioning god i'm saying god i don't get it you have healed people of things much worse than this why am I not worthy of your love? I've tried to do all the right things, do this, don't that, do that. I, I've tried to, to travel in your world. Yeah, i got a few problems, but God, I'm really trying. And I know I can make it right. I can make it right. So I'm riding down the hallway. <laughs> there are all these people standing on either side of the hallway. And they're all looking at me. What, you know what I saw? I saw a lot of people saying, too bad she wasn't worthy of being healed. Too bad God wasn't working for her. Too bad she's got to go in that room. Went through the surgery, things went well. God was faithful, but I didn't feel God's faithfulness. My spiritual heart was becoming so hard that all I could see was my pain. All I could see was, why? Why, God? And then you begin to think of the labels that are in your life. The world of shame because of what you've done. You feel so lost because there's, there's nowhere you can turn. I still haven't reached the place where I was willing to say, okay, God, you do it. I was still saying, I can do it. I have to work harder. I have to, I have to do more work at church. I have to do more this, to be, be more compassionate. But you know what happens when your spiritual heart hardens? You lose your compassion. You lose your ability to love. You lose your ability to have true relationships with people because Jesus can't get in and he can't flow out because you're closing doors, you're, you're, you're forming a very hard shell around your heart. You're living in darkness. I am not saying you've lost your salvation. I'm saying you're living in darkness because you're not allowing Jesus to walk along with you. And things seem absolutely hopeless. Absolutely hopeless. Lord, how many times, how many times Do I have to try to be a calm person? How many times do I have to wake up in the morning and I'm fine until my feet hit the floor and then it all falls apart? How many times, God, I know I can do this, I can make this work? You wear the label of regret. I am so sorry. I am so sorry that I've hurt people again today. I am so sorry that my life is just not what it ought to be. I'll start again tomorrow. Has anybody ever said that? One more day, God. Give me just one more day, and I'll start again tomorrow. You feel absolutely defeated. There's no way out. There's no way to move from the darkness to the light. I've tried it. I've done this, that, and the other thing, gone to therapists, tried everything, God, but I come right back. Right back to living under Satan's control in parts of my life. I'm defeated. There's no way for me to go. And I love Satan's strongest tool in my life. Guilt. Guilt. Satan will come to me even now, or things I did many years ago. And he'll say, do you remember? Do you remember the time you hurt that person? Do you remember the time you spanked your kids when you shouldn't have? Do you remember the time that I said to you, this is what I want, Pat, and you said, not today. Do you remember, Pat, that that you have no willpower? You have no self-control. You have nothing. You are worthless. You are a piece of dung. You have nothing. And I would believe those lies because my heart was growing so hard that I couldn't turn to Jesus and say, I know this isn't true. Because I was still thinking it was my responsibility to take care of all this, it was my responsibility to get rid of my addictions. It was my responsibility to get rid of my anger. And when you look at those verses again, verse 19, is it your responsibility to get rid of sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, and addictions, idolatry? because I'm putting something else above God in my life. Sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness. When you are within the grips of the dark side, all you think of is you. All you think of is you. You can't see anyone else's pain. You can't reach out for anyone else's pain because you're trying so hard to be worthy of God's love and you can't get there. So you're done. Um, (laughs) Sorry. I went to a camp meeting when I was younger and there was this very elderly woman. And she was sitting on a bench. I was a teenager and I walked over and I said, so how are you today? She says, well, I'm just sitting here praying Satan doesn't trip me up, so if I die, I go to hell. What a way to live in fear of God's wrath instead of living in God's love. But when you allow things to harden your spiritual heart, when you allow anything to get in the way of your relationship with Jesus, fear comes in, and it comes in strong comes in wild and loud, and it can grab you and take control of you. So if I'm in this darkness, and I keep trying to move into the light, then I fall back. And then I move up, and then I fall back. How do I get from the darkness to life? This is an easy one. There's only one way to go from darkness into light and life, and that's through the cross. There's only one way. Your sinful nature and your spiritual nature will continue to fight and wage battle and give you struggles as long as you're still trying to do it on your own as long as you're still trying I can make myself good enough I can make things work you can't that you can, um, can win the battle. Jesus came to earth. He allowed himself to be crucified on the cross. And he died for you. He died for you. And only his blood can break you free from the chains of the darkness in your life. And I don't care if you think, well, I'm not really in darkness. I'm in a gray area. There's only two sides. There's the darkness, there's the light. There's no gray area. You're in or you're out. And only Jesus can do that. And it says, in verse 25. No, I'm sorry, verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for you. He died so that you don't have to live in darkness. You can live in the light. He died carrying your sins on the cross. So what do you do with them? taken to the cross and you're taken to Jesus you allow Jesus to break that cord, all these labels fall off. That's not who you are any longer. It tells you what the fruit of the Spirit is. The Scripture says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. That kind of sounds, you know, if, if you haven't met Christ, and you haven't heard that before, that kind of sounds ooh. To follow the Spirit. What that simply means is you need to decide that Jesus came, that He's the Son of God, that He died on the cross for you, and that He rose again so that you could have eternal life with the Spirit. How does the Spirit lead you? He leads you as you as you read the Word, He leads you as you pray. He leads you as you fellowship with other Christians. Nick is offering a group with a group of guys to help those that are suffering from a certain addiction. I would recommend any group you join to help you through any kind of struggle. Make sure it's based on the word of God. Make sure it's godly. That you're not just... Sorry. Sorry. get rid of regret today (laughs) that you're not just changing one addiction for another my my ex-husband's mom and dad well his stepdad were alcoholics and they used to put the kids in closets so they'd be safe while they went out and got drunk at night so then they found jesus then they put the kids in the closet so they could go to alcoholics anonymous They changed one bad pattern for another. Jesus breaks those patterns, and only Jesus can do it. And you need to be in a fellowship of other Christians to be held accountable to the fact that Jesus wants to break those patterns in your life. You need to have friends that understand right where you've been, right where you're at, who have walked that same path and want to deliver you from it. So here I am now living in the light. And what does that do for me? I've exchanged my anger for peace, for gentleness, for kindness, because as you see, Jesus doesn't only just break the chain, he takes away what was holding me bondage. It's gone. It's gone. I can't I can't get back there. The chain's been broken. Jesus says to me, it's gone. You're free. You can walk without shame and guilt and remorse and regret. You can walk without any doubt of what Jesus wants to do in your life today. You can do that through the blood of Jesus. He can do that for you. You get faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, joy. I don't know about you, but that list sounds a whole lot better to me than the list on the dark side. But what I want you to know today is (laughs) don't take as long as I did to understand that just stuffing things inside and allowing them to harden your heart doesn't get rid of them. That my thoughts of being unworthy of Christ, of being unworthy of being a daughter of the King, were lies lies that satan would continually tell me so he could keep me in his kingdom but i have learned that they're lies they're gone i don't have to slide back into darkness because when the enemy starts to say to me aha now i got you then i just turn to him and say no you don't i'm covered by the blood of jesus I'm righteous, I'm holy, I am a child of God, and you can't touch me. And that's what it means to live on the light, in the light, to have life, abundant life. Is to be able to say to the enemy, to say to Satan, sorry bud, you're not welcome here. There's no room for you here because my hardened heart has been softened, the love of Jesus flows in. The Holy Spirit dwells within. And that's all that's going to get in. That's all that's going to go out. And you have no part in that. So get out of the way. A little blind lady was sitting next to me in church. And the pastor was talking about um, how to tell Satan he has no control just to go away. Now, this was another one of those sweet, calm ladies. And she leaned over to me. I'm a teenager and she says I just tell him to go to hell (laughs) she she just told Satan go back where you came from because you have no place here I want you to understand that if today if today you've never met Jesus if today you've never proclaimed that he's the son of God today's the day to do it don't delay If today there's something in your heart, something in your life that is hardening your heart, that is blocking your access to Jesus, if you just can't feel his love, if you can't feel loved or worthy, take care of it today. Because the longer you wait, the harder your heart gets and the harder it is. I can testify to that. I can testify to that again and again and again. The label that you were given now I've lost mine but the label that was handed out to you says hello my name is child of the one true king my name is not regret my name is not defeat my name is not hopelessness my name is not shame my name is not guilt my name is child of the one true king and through the blood of Jesus I can proclaim that today and so can you there's just a song that i want you to hear and i want you to really hear Whoa oh. you are a child of the very loud <laughs> you are a child of the one true king
4: hello my name is regret I'm pretty sure we have met Every single day of your life I'm the whisper inside That won't let you forget Hello, my name is Defeat I know you recognize me Just when you think you can win I'll drag you right back down again Till you...
0: you wear. It's the label that you've slapped on yourself, but the label that Christ has put on you is a completely different one, I guarantee it. You're his younger brother. You're his little sister. You're child of God. You're co-heir. This is who you are. You're not part of that kingdom any longer. You're part of this kingdom. See? Uh, I think it's interesting. This is very practical stuff, you know. So uh, re- religion says that the way to clean up your life is you have to, you know, buckle down, stuff it down, try harder, do harder. That's, that's the solution that religion offers. Jesus says, would you just uh, allow me to do this work in your heart, and would you begin wearing the name that I've given to? Begin walking in this new identity that you've got, and it's a new identity. You know, it's this is who you are now. Begin walking in that, and as you do, the other stuff slips away. It really does. Well, Pat's given us a good challenge this morning, and um, what I want to do is we're going to close with prayer, and I want to invite you to be able to invite you to have somebody pray with you I mean we've talked about some really like you know gutsy stuff today and um, I don't know what's uh, what the Lord is doing in your life and heart but if you want somebody to process that with you that's what we're here for as the service closes okay so just come and let's pray together and we'll process it together and, 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 and this morning too if you say you know I don't, I don't know what a relationship with Jesus even would look like. Like, and and a lot of that's changing for you, I know, because your old idea was the relationship with Jesus looked like, you know, like your old Sunday school teacher with the blue hair and the fake pearls. you like, and, and, and then you've run from that because you're like, I don't, you know, that's not, I don't want that. That's not me. That's not. And now you're beginning to realize that, that Jesus Christ actually wants to be your friend and he's inviting you into a relationship with himself and you're starting to, you're starting to realize, oh, that's what that is. Then I, I want to invite you to, let's pray together this morning. I want to introduce you to a relationship with Jesus Christ. So, so we got one more song. Can I sing it for you? As we close, bow your heads uh, and, and let's pray. But would you just hear the words of this song this morning? Uh, let them sink
2: into your heart. Turn your eyes upon Jesus.
0: pray that uh, you would have your way in my life. I give you, Lord, permission to come and to, to, to clean house. Come, God, and do what you know best to do in my life and in my soul. I invite you, Lord, to do that. Jesus, I'm thankful for the privilege that I have to know you, to be your kid brother. It's an honor, Lord, to be a part of your family. So, Father, I commit myself to you this morning. Fresh in new. I ask you, Holy Spirit, a fresh filling today, Lord. I want to bear the fruit of the Spirit in my life, Lord, and uh, and I'm asking you to come, have Your way in me, and make it happen. I pray. So, Lord, I'm I'm leaning on you. I'm trusting in you.